Are you looking for a new job? Are you hiring but can't find diverse, talented candidates? Then we have something that can help, our job board. Head on over to revisionpath.com forward slash jobs to browse listings or to place your own. This week on the job board, Recurly is looking for a senior product designer. This is a remote position, but they are specifically looking for candidates in Boulder, Colorado, San Francisco, California, or New Orleans, Louisiana. And Moto Refi is looking for a director of product design in Washington, D.C. For just $99, your job listing will be featured on our job board for 30 days, and we'll spread the word about it to our diverse audience of listeners. We also offer an annual job board subscription for companies and organizations. Make sure to head over to revisionpath.com forward slash job for more info on these listings. Apply today and tell them you heard about the job through Revision Path. Get started with us and expand your search today. Revisionpath.com forward slash jobs. You're listening to the Revision Path podcast, a weekly showcase of the world's black graphic designers, web designers, and web developers. Through in-depth interviews, you'll learn about their work, their goals, and what inspires them as creative individuals. Here's your host, Maurice Cherry. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Revision Path. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm your host, Maurice Cherry. And before we get into this week's interview, I want to take some time out and thank our accessibility sponsor for this episode, Brevity & Wit. Brevity and Wit is a strategy and design firm committed to designing a more inclusive and equitable world. They accomplish this through graphic design, presentations, and workshops around IDEA, inclusion, diversity, equity, and accessibility. If you're curious to learn how to combine a passion for IDEA with design, check them out at brevityandwit.com. Brevity and Wit, creative excellence without the grind. Support for Revision Path also comes from Adobe Max. Adobe Max is the annual global creativity conference and it's going online this year, October 26th through the 28th. This is sure to be a creative experience like no other. Plus, it's all free. Yep, 100% free. With over 25 hours of keynotes, luminary speakers, breakout sessions, workshops, musical performances, and even a few celebrity appearances, it's going to be one-stop shopping for your inspiration, goals, and creative tune-ups. Did I mention that it's free? Explore over 300 sessions across 11 tracks, hear from amazing speakers, and learn new creative skills all totally free and online this October. To register, head to max.adobe.com. Now for this week's interview. I'm talking with Zaria Cameron, an equity-centered UX strategist in Atlanta, Georgia. Let's start the show. All right, so tell us who you are and what you do. Hi, everyone. My name is Zaria Cameron. I am a senior graphic design student at North Carolina A&T State University. And within the past two years, I've been independently studying UX design, which is now the space that I'm in. And I'm now evolving into a UX equity strategist is now my evolving role. Nice. How has the summer been going for you? This particular summer has definitely been an unexpected turn of events in the best of ways, I could say. Of course, just the opportunities of being able to speak and be in spaces where I definitely feel supported by my Black community, specifically Black designers, has been great. But it has been hectic. 
I've been working my internship as a UX designer and then preparing for my last semester of school and just with my program and all the things we're gearing up for. So it's been a very busy summer. I'm trying to find ways to like prevent burnout and mm-hmm. exhaustion, especially again in the middle of pandemic. And I'm currently home, so haven't really gone anywhere in a year and a half. So I think that mental exhaustion is hitting me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this whole year, I mean, especially I think this summer in particular is probably harder than last summer because, well, for two reasons. One, we have a vaccine. And two, people aren't taking it. <laughs> COVID rates are going back up. And so it's like, I really feel for, I mean, not just, you know, parents right now that have unvaccinated children, but like also students right now, like, like this is such a pivotal time in your development right now, like from 18 to like 21, 22 ish. You don't really get this time back. And yeah. like for it to be taking place during such a very stressful time in the world right now is really tough. But I mean, given all of that, what are you kind of doing for self-care? Like, how are you how are you maintaining yourself while taking on all these responsibilities? Yeah, I feel like I always tell people sometimes it's not enough time in the day, but I've been trying to, like, force myself to implement that time and schedule that time. Because for a lot of people that do know me, like, I am a scheduler. And if it's not on my calendar, it pretty much doesn't happen. So... I've been trying to schedule in that time, whether it be through writing, whether it be through even binge watching, just like to have some mindless TV to just get my mind away from all the other responsibilities that I have. Going outside for a walk, I love hiking and going in nature whenever I can. And also just journaling has been another way of me kind of releasing and relaxing from everything. How would you say you've like changed over the past year? Gosh, I've changed a lot. And I really didn't think that I'd I'd change within a year being the same exact place that I have been since March of, of 2020. But it's surprising what a year will do. And within a year, I feel like I've gained so much confidence within myself and been able to really vocalize a lot of the things that I was maybe apprehensive or scared or anxious to express, um, whether it was me as an individual designer, as a person, as you know, a community leader now, those types of roles, I never really saw myself being a part of a year ago. And now I'm leading a community I'm advocating for other Black design students. I'm being able to speak on that work through various different speaking engagements, which one, I never at all saw myself as as being that person to kind of go up and, and speak. But now I just definitely seeing myself evolve with being more authentically myself and being able to be comfortable doing that, even if like other people may have their own, you know, negative opinions towards that and also being okay with that as well. Yeah. I mean, speaking of, of, you know, speaking opportunities, you spoke at this year's where are the black designers conference that they had back in June. And I mean, that was a pretty stacked panel that you were on. The panel was called navigating different design professions and levels 
as a black designer and you are on there with people that have been on, on revision path before Kevin Bethune, Timothy Bard Levins, Gabrielle Smith, Raja Shah, who I think is a professor at, I think it's a, she's at either at Drexel. Temple or, or Drexel. One of the two. It's, I, at I get the, at Drexel. I, <laughs> I get the eh in Temple and Drexel mixed up, but yeah, she's at Drexel and then moderated by Omari Souza, who's someone else that's been on the show. I mean, you held your own in that panel. Those were some really heavy hitters. I mean, to be able to really speak about the work that you're doing and you're still a college student is great. I mean, I think that's wonderful. Yeah. One, they're all amazing people. Uh, Raja, I'm very close with. And so, to just be on the panel with her was just amazing and just having that community. And I tell people like spe- being able to speak at the Where the Black Designers Conference was really a full circle for me because I was an audience member just last year, like watching that. And so to be able to have that opportunity to speak on that panel and speak about my experiences was definitely an honor. And now you mentioned this internship that you were doing, you just finished up. That was at Ally Bank. How was that experience? It was definitely a surprising experience. I did not know what to expect. I mean, I had gotten accustomed to, well, I got a feel for the culture of the company uh, with a few of events that I had been able to participate through my university and just Ally being a connected company. But I really didn't know how that experience was going to be virtually. And from my past experiences, I kind of mixed the idea of like interning or working at another financial institution. And so I really wasn't sure what this experience would be like. And I had expressed to my recruiter before I even accepted the offer. And even when I accepted the offer that I really want to focus on inclusion work, equity work, within the design space. And honestly, I really wasn't sure how I was going to do that in a bank and and what that would even look like. But I definitely had a really good experience and just being able to not only connect with like other interns that look like me that went to other HBCUs and even, you know, non-HBCU students and just the closest we had together in that virtual space, but also having like I realized how important it is to have a manager that really supports you in your growth and your goals. And so I was very grateful to have a manager that did that. And he kind of helped me to maneuver through that summer. And through that, I was able to get connected to this inclusive design team that was actually just starting up within our design organization. And so being able to be a part of that and lead a lot of the discussions that I believe needed to happen. It allowed me to kind of realize or see what role I fit best within design and, and also to see the importance of like how design fits into, you know, helping marginalized communities reach, you know, that economic mobility and financial freedom. And so it was definitely a great moment for me. And also just to have people that were supportive with me during that process, too. It's interesting how financial institutions are starting to become sort of the vanguard of that kind of equity-centered design. Like, we've had several people on the show before from Capital One, and that's such a huge part of their design ethos is making sure that, as you're saying about underrepresented or marginalized communities have that financial freedom, but just the level of care that they put into 
all of their interactions to make sure that equity is like part of the goal from conversation design to even how they sort of lay out the physical layout of their banks and everything. Like it's really interesting how that's that sector has been sort of a forefront when it comes to that. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think I was able to see that from a financial lens and being able to have those conversations of like, Hey, you know, we really need to focus on the culture of, of our customers and focusing on working with our communities and being able to provide this assistance or who are we actually excluding in these conversations and uncovering what our bias are or our assumptions are of our customers or even people who could be potential customers of our bank and, you know, being able to like create that organic relationship because we, we are, you know, an online bank. And so, we have to be able to foster some type of connection to them, especially if we're not going to be face to face. I mean, look, my money is at Ally, so I trust that they're doing the right thing. <laughs> they're doing something right. <laughs> Let's talk about the AEI design program. I first heard of this actually at the uh, Where the Black Designers Conference this year when you were speaking about it. But tell me more about the project. I mean, you started this while you were still a student. I mean, you're still a student now, but you started this while you were at uh, North Carolina A&T, right? Yeah, I did. I started this right after actually where the black designers and just being very last year. And I was just very empowered and inspired by, I was able to connect with so many different black designers and have that support in that community. But unfortunately, you know, I realized that a lot of what I was seeing, they were professionals. And I wanted something where there was a space just for us as students. Looking at my own journey, I realized that there were so many gaps that I was missing. And not just within my own education, but just the support, whether it be mentorship, sponsorship, things like that, that were hindering me from really fully being successful or having access to certain resources or just knowledge in general that would help me get myself in that door of even just landing my first internship. And I realized there was a lot of other students, whether they went to a PWI or an HBCU, were experiencing those same challenges. And they really didn't have any type of community, no matter where they were. They didn't feel any sense of belonging. And I wanted to bring that element to this space. And of course, there are tons of design student communities that were out there, but I wanted there to be a community just for us. And so we've evolved. I've evolved ever since then. I think AI has definitely helped me to evolve into a leader that I never expected. I've always wanted to be some form of a leader. I just didn't know what. And being able to have this program outside of just school has allowed me to flourish and have my own space and creative freedom to put all of these things out here with our programs, our events, all those different things. And also to be able to reach a larger audience than just the students that are within my school. And so I was leading a team of three other students and now like we're growing and we just added a few more team members to our group. And so I'm really excited of what we'll be able to accomplish, you know, this upcoming school year too. And I mean, as far as like, I mean, when you're, we're doing all this organizing and you're getting students and stuff together, 
are events kind of part of this as well? Like, are you staging any sort of like virtual events? Yeah, all of our events are virtual because I realized, again, there was that access component and I want students to be able to access us even beyond like this pandemic if we if we get out of it. And just being able to have access to those resources, whether you're in our state, whether you go to our school or you're you're not. And that's what I want to be able to provide through this program. Actually, within a few weeks or within the next few weeks, we'll be actually launching our fall design boot camp where students will be able to work with our company partners and create a design solution based on their stated problem. And so I'm really excited for this because it not only gives an opportunity for students to connect with each other with, you know, other black students, but also for them to connect with companies and for them to see firsthand on a more personal level of how these companies operate, what their processes are like, and to ask those hard questions and for the companies to just see that talent that's there. So I'm really excited for for this in particular for this year. How would you like to see AEI continue to grow? I mean, it sounds like you're already on a good path right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. I mean, of course, like I'm hoping to have, you know, more, more company partnerships, of course, but I mean, just last year or this year, this year in January, like three of my students, three or four of my students got landed their very first internship, design internships. I think two of them are at Facebook right now. One of them's at Spotify. And one of them landed a full-time gig at Allscripts. So, you know, and I basically helped them to transition through their interview process. And so to see them land those interviews and land that offer was so thrilling for me. And so I, that's one of my goals that I want to do this year, this school year as well, is to, you know, continue to allow students to receive those offers and find a place where they feel comfortable and safe. I also want to con- like within this next year to transition into our mental health initiative. And, you know, a lot of students, especially during this pandemic, have definitely had burnout, have had several different experiences where their mental health has been at risk. And so, especially as a creative, I feel like we sometimes burn ourselves out even more because we're exhausting so much creative energy. And so I think one of my goals is to really start implementing different sessions or conversations around the importance of mental health and just finding that joy in our lives as as Black people and helping to separate ourselves from all the trauma that we have to endure and see and experience. And then I think my final thing is like, I'm in the process of making us an official nonprofit. So that's like, my main goals is like the boot camp, this mental health initiative, and leading into our nonprofit status. That's amazing. I mean, I'll take my hat off to you for being able to accomplish all of that, even while you're in school and doing these internships. I mean, that's really admirable. I mean, I have to say, just you're getting your career off to such a fantastic start right now. Like you said, just helping out with community. It's one thing to be able, of course, like you're doing internships and being able to speak and stuff like that, but then to also give back to that community at the same time is, I mean, that's really admirable. 
Thank you. I, I definitely appreciate it. And I think the reason why I wanted to start this out while I was during while I was in school is because I can see it from the lens of a student and I understand what those struggles are and what those ex- what I've experienced and I'm able to really advocate for what is a need. And not that people who are outside of school or far removed from school can't advocate for those things, but I think within my current generation and just like being within the know of what really is going on and the realities of these educational institutions, you know, I'm able to really like speak on, you know, those gaps, those issues and what solutions need to be implemented to move forward. No, that makes sense. Students know what students need. You know, I mean, I couldn't possibly guess what students now would want. I'm like, 20 something years removed from that. So I couldn't tell you. So that's, I mean, to be able to do it from that perspective is also a, a really added benefit. Just to kind of, you know, switch gears a little bit here, because I'm curious where that kind of like spirit of, of, you know, sort of volunteerism and everything sort of comes from. Tell me about where you grew up. So I grew up about, I'd say, I, I always say I'm from Atlanta, Georgia, because a lot of people, when you say somewhere else, you're like, what, where are you from? I'm about like, I'm about 30 minutes on the south side out from the city of Atlanta. And uh, design was never really a thought in my mind that I would ever like major in design. I've always seen myself as creative with, you know, writing being an outlet, whether it be poetry, things like that, or even just expressing myself in a lot of different ways but never really saw myself going into design because I was such a strong writer. I actually had in my mind all the way until like my senior year that I was going to be a journalism major. That's what I wanted to do. Everyone was always telling me that I was a strong writer and that was the direction that I was going to take. But I was very fortunate enough to have the opportunity. For those that don't know me, I went to a year round school And that allowed me to have breaks in between the year when other students were in school. And during that time, I was able to visit my or be around my my dad, who works in the College of Computing at Georgia Tech. And I was submerged in technology. And I was just like completely at awe by computer science and how tech was able to just change and impact lives. And through that, like just being around there, I was able to um, work with Black Girls Code and like work with students and teach them and volunteer in those different ways. And I think through that, it was like, wow, like I really like doing this type of work. I don't know like how I'm going to do it or what I'm going to do, but like I really do like this space. And I also really love working with, with children and teaching them in some capacity, because I love just when their eyes light up, when they've learned something new, especially when it relates to technology. And so at the time, design really wasn't this great big, especially UX design was not this great big buzzword or exciting space to be in that people were talking about, especially within academia. And so everyone was like, okay, if you want to be in technology, go into computer science. That's the only way, that's the only possible way you're going to be in technology if you want to impact tech. And so I was like, okay, well, I guess this is the path that I want to go into. And I always tell this part of the story because I think it's important for students and anybody else to know and understand like 
the path is not going to be perfect. It's definitely not going to be linear. And just because you get one rejection doesn't mean that is the end of your journey. And so I applied to our computer science program at my school and I got rejected. And I thought it was the end of the world and that this was just not going to be, I was not going to be able to make the impact that I wanted. But I'm very glad that I did get that rejection because I don't think I would be where I am right now in my journey. And my school has a graphic design department, which explores like elements of, of game design and obviously the foundational elements of graphic design. And you learn a little bit of like CAD and modeling and all these different areas. And I decided to kind of go into that space because I'm like, okay, well, I can go into design and maybe still somewhat have an impact in technology. And through that, I was able to transition into UX design very easily through just like me researching, doing things on my own. UX design isn't offered a part of our curriculum, but through that foundation that I did have through my school and just the support of my teachers, specifically my Black teachers, they were able to kind of help me and guide me into this new space that I am now in, which is UX design. So like I said, this path was definitely not linear. It took me a long time to like figure out what exactly I wanted to do. But I think with UX design, it allows me to get the best of both worlds of working in tech if I want to and being able to still be in that design space while also just being able to understand people and implement their stories and understand who they are to implement within the experience. I think that's probably one of my favorite parts about UX is it really is all about people. And I think being a writer, I'm a natural storyteller. And so I think it always resonates with me when I'm able to connect someone's story to the experience that we're creating within design and tech. That's a really great way to sort of tie those two concepts together. You know, for a while, Revision Path had a kind of this writing initiative, we called it Recognize, where it was sort of like an essay submission sort of thing. People would submit essays around a certain theme, but they would have to be design focused. So like for last year, for example, the theme was fresh. And so you would write design essays that sort of in some way encompass the theme of fresh, you know, and my goal with it is actually kind of the goal of what you were sort of alluding to is about like using writing and using text and using storytelling as a way to kind of also put forth these certain design concepts or or things like that. Unfortunately, Recognize was not super successful. We had to kind of shut it down this year. I hope to bring it back at some point in the future, but I like how you're able to kind of tie into what writing does for you as a designer and how that storytelling ties into what you do with UX design. I think that's a really powerful connection to make. Yeah, it's like I said, I think I finally found my space just because I think even within computer science, there is that level of like strategy and critical thinking that I had the the knack for. And, and now to be able to kind of have that skill set or mindset and implement that, that ideology within design um, has been just really great for me. And I, I think like now I've, I've definitely seen myself evolve from just like an individual contributor, like an individual design contributor to this person that is really being able to lead conversations about how we think about design and that 
again, as I mentioned before, that inclusion, like equity space. Tell me more about the program at ANT. I think, you know, when folks look at HBCUs and they think about design, I'm not sure if North Carolina ANT is a school that they may readily think about, but can you just tell us like a little bit about the program and sort of what you're going to remember the most from being at ANT because you're about to graduate this semester? Yeah, I wish that our program was a little bit more marketable. Like I wish they marketed us a little bit better. Because I think like a lot of students will would benefit from just having like black teachers that really want you to succeed and, and do well. And I think also I wish that our our particular department sat in a different space because I think sometimes we can get overlooked. So we sit within the College of Science and Technology. And so when a lot of people think of science technology, you think of biology, chemistry, mathematics sits within that space too and then you've got like IT informational systems all those things like that so you've got all these other majors and then we have graphic design and so a lot of people whenever they think about the college of science technology they don't think about gra- that graphic design t- you know technology space being an option for them to major in and so especially because A&T uh, North Carolina A&T is especially known for agriculture in the name and engineering, especially Mm -hmm. it's like one of the largest areas that we're known for. So again, design is, is really like second priority, but I wish that it wasn't because again, like I said, I've had really great professors that have really helped me grow as a designer, some definite tough love that's been given to me and a brief anecdote I had a professor I failed his class my first year and you know I really just didn't do well and had to retake it and the second time I got a a B plus and he was like he had written and I told him I was like thank you you know thank you for like helping me to get to this point. And he was like, I already knew you could do it. You know, you just have to like, like really prove, you know, to people that like you can do it and you have the capability because I know it's already in there. And like just him really believing in me and giving me that tough love that I needed just like helped me to appreciate not only him more, but the space that I'm in and really being able to push myself that much harder and see what I can achieve. And I think having those people in your corner that are looking out for you in that way is is one of the best things that I've one of the best experiences now reflecting and looking back, you know, now that I'm getting ready to graduate is something that I definitely love and will miss. Yeah. So that's it's kind of like I have some more thoughts, but I'll I'll stop talking. to you. <laughs> no, I, I have to say, you know, that's one thing about HBCUs that. I don't know. You just don't get that at other schools. Like the, the professors really do care. And that's not to say that at PWIs that at other schools that the professors don't care. But I mean, I can only speak from my experience also going to an HBCU. I went to Morehouse and I mean, there's just a certain different level of care. Like they're really looking out for you in ways that you may not even really be considering. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's some professors that are like, you're just another student, just another number, et cetera. But like, I think once you get into your degree program, you'd be surprised just how much 
the professors are really like rooting for you and like wanting to make sure that you succeed because it looks good on them if they have, you know, graduates that come out of the program. So it makes sense that, you know, at HBCUs that they would just be more open to that. And then of course, you know, it's, it's just as black people helping black people, you know, I've had several other folks on the show that when they talk about their time at other design institutions that I won't name, but they're not HBCUs, but you know, at other design institutions, like it's rough. (laughs) <laughs> like the, their education experience is rough. There's like no mercy and certainly not anywhere. They're having black professors or even really able to like design towards their culture in the work that they do. So, I mean, you have all these different inherent benefits that come with being able to study at an HBCU. And, you know, just from what you're sharing about the program, sounds like it's a really great program. I mean, NCANT overall is a great school. It's a, I think it's like, one of the biggest research institutions in North Carolina, probably second yeah. to, I'm guessing probably second to like UNC and. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, that. I mean, of course, like every school has its, I really had to like advocate for myself and try to like reach out to certain people and do certain things that I was like, Hey, that I actually saw everything that, these companies had to offer the realities of what things were and and being able to kind of bring that back to the students within my program and and show that like hey there actually is you know black talent great black designer talent that needs to be sought after yeah duke is the other school that i was thinking about i was like <laughs> folks that oh, went yeah. to duke don't kill me i was like but i i know that uh, north carolina ant though is one of the big research institutions in the state. So that's good to know. And also while you were at ANT, you worked at a number of internships. I mean, you mentioned Ally, but you worked at what, like two or three other companies while you were there, right? Yeah, I did. So I worked for for Wells Fargo last summer. Um, it's kind of weird because all my internships that I've had have all been virtual. So like, I have no idea what this, oh. what this corporate world will will look like once we go back in person, that's going to be a whole nother, I guess, hill or road we'll have to cross as we get there. But yeah, I've worked, I interned at Wells Fargo. I wasn't a designer, but it gave me the perspective of just how things work, how systems work, how corporate space work, how financial institutions are run. And in, in some ways being that fly in the wall of, of seeing the realities of what things were, but it gave me perspective of not just, even though I wasn't a designer for that particular role, I was a QA, I was a quality assurance analyst. And so that in that role in itself taught me how to really pay attention to the details, the importance of how things work and how things function within a platform, a tool, and pointing out those shortcomings of how we can really better improve those products for the user. And so that really helped me to analyze a lot of things better when it came to actually designing. And then recently, what this is, I worked for like a startup. It was really small. And so that was really catered to Black women's hair and and finding the right hair regimen for them. And that was like a really great experience to kind of work on it from the ground up and being able to like work with other black women that had natural hair and 
and just pouring like my own experience, my own stories and, and other people's research and hair journeys into that. So that was like a really fun experience and also challenging in like that quick, fast pace type of environment. And then recently I worked before Ally, I worked at PepsiCo as sort of like a UX UI designer, which I focus more on UI. And so I realized like I'm a better UX designer than a UI designer. And I think people definitely should understand the difference because I think sometimes we group it together, but they Mm -hmm. definitely are separate things and have their own responsibilities. Um, And I think people are stronger, or I guess, weaker in certain spaces. And I definitely saw myself as more of a UX designer. But through that experience, I learned so much. And I learned about the responsibilities and the job of a UI designer and how much work it takes and like the input and all the different intricacies that you have to think about when developing certain things. So that was a really good experience as well. And then I think just as I've grown, I've evolved and figured out what's the best space for me to be in through all these different internship opportunities that I've had. And just where do I not only feel the most supported, but also safe? Because I've definitely thought a lot about myself as a Black designer, um, not just a designer working at a company, but really just caring about the impact that I make. And does that company actually, or the people really, you know, care about my well-being and not just my individual contribution to the product? And you say all these internships that you've done have been virtual. What is that like? <laughs> what is a virtual internship like? Just kind of give a just a brief, you know, example of what that's like. I'm not going to just say, "Oh my gosh, it sucks." But <laughs> <laughs> it is a lot harder because one, like with with PepsiCo, for example, like I was working or, or having to interact with working on a project with a physical product. And so it was a lot harder because it was like, okay, like I'm designing for a physical product that I cannot see, feel, like touch anything I can't interact with to see how it functions to better make improvements on it. And so it was more or less like, okay, well, I have to watch videos and I have to like figure out, watch customer reviews on this product to see like, what are their pain points? And without like me actually being able to physically interact with it myself, which was definitely harder. I think if I was in the office, I could just go to that room, look at the product, be like, okay, this is what's wrong. And I think it's even more crucial for Black people because you do want to make sure that like this is, this is a safe and healthy space for you. Um, I, I heard a lot of people have very toxic experiences from companies. And I think that's like the one big fear because you can easily hide behind, you know, a screen and you don't really know like what that culture is like. And they could be betraying something that may not even be realistic. And then you get in the office and it's something completely different. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, the conversation in tech over the past I don't know, maybe like six or seven years has been around, of course, making sure that these tech companies and design focused companies are, you know, safe spaces for black people and people of color to work in. And now 
with the pandemic and it's driving people to have to work from home, like how do you make sure that that same feeling is also existing in the virtual space? I mean, I just know from the past few places where I've worked at that have been sort of a hybrid of remote and even in office. And then, of course, with the pandemic driving it to be fully remote. It's amazing how different sort of microaggressions can kind of pop up or just different sort of ways that you can feel left out in a way. And I mean, I think that's something that I think it's something that companies are still going to have to deal with and, and try to figure out as as it looks like this is not abating anytime soon, like we're still going to be on this kind of hybrid slash fully remote sort of workforce thing. But how do you make sure that those digital spaces are also going to be safe and, you know, accommodating for your workers that are people of color? That's the best way to put it. I definitely agree. I think working with Ally is probably one of the best, like so far, just because, like I said, I've never been able to connect with like other interns in this way. Like, that was a big thing. Like the way that they're recruiting uh, was, I don't even know how they did it, but they just, they chose, they chose a really good intern class that like reflected the culture of the company that they were trying, they were really trying to promote. And just, I think like from the top down, of course, again, like I said, every company has its shortcomings and things like that. But I believe like from the top down, everyone was welcoming and really wanting to promote that culture where like you could email an executive and they would reach out to you and they would meet with you and like answer your questions or talk to you and have like a brief conversation but I think that openness is something that you don't always get a chance to have and get exposure to and so I think not only having a intern class but also like having your recruiters really just help you have that personal experience as best as you can in this virtual space. Again, like I said, it was hard not being able to be in the office and collaborate, especially as a designer. It's so hard. You know, you've got to find all these internal, um, all these alternative ways to collaborate together, to design, to communicate virtually that it can, it can make things a little bit more difficult, but I mean, if the people are good, I think the collaboration will kind of fall in line with with that energy and that chemist that team chemistry. Yeah. Right now, as you're, I mean, again, you're at this very pivotal point in your educational career as well as just your professional career, about to get out there in the working world. Like, do you feel supported as a black designer? There's there's many different ways you, we can we can take that. Um, <laughs> I want to say yes, but I feel like yes is such a like a short a short answer. Um, I think depending on what area of of my life that I am a black designer, it could go yes or maybe or even no. I think like with my black community, like my black designers community, I've been able to find amazing like mentors slash friends who have really supported me and been like, Hey, if you want to take a break, it's okay. If you want to take a break, like we're still going to be here when you come back and we're going to be holding down the fort, you know, till you get back while you're gone. And like being able to like be comfortable and also vulnerable with these, with these people has been such a a privilege because I know a lot of people don't get a chance to do that. 
or don't feel comfortable enough to. So I think in that way, like this community, like where the black designers, black, my black ignite community, those people have really allowed me to be comfortable being my authentic self and also being vulnerable enough to express certain concerns or issues that I may have that's going on in my life, whether it be personal or like within my career. So I think in that way, I feel supported. I think in a corporate setting, I'm still navigating through that. I would say yes from certain people, but of course, like I'm still getting a a feel for what that is and what people's intentions are. I think for the most part, I would say yes, but then again, it's, it's just been something I've been thinking about, even looking at Simone Biles and her like deciding to leave the Olympics because of, you know, her mental health and people just giving so much backlash to her making that decision because she was prioritizing her mental health and just, just the exhaustion and energy that she was giving out and probably just how tired she was and just seeing how people only appreciate your skill and the value you bring over your actual health and you as a person. Mm. Um, And I think that's the biggest thing that I'm concerned about is like, are you really like caring about me and myself as a human being? Or is it just the value that I bring to this company, the value that I bring to this community, the value I bring to this school or whatever it may look like? And that's where I'm trying to find what that balance is and who are those people that I should give, who are those people that I should have in my corner and who are those people that will have access to those versions or sides of of me. So that's kind of where I am. Yeah. It's, it's really tricky now. I mean, I say that as, as someone that's been in the industry for a while, I mean, certainly within the past 10 to 12 years or so, we've seen a, a dramatic increase in really just like black spaces in design. There's podcasts like this, but there's conferences, there's meetups, there's initiatives like what you're doing with AEI design program. A lot of that stuff really didn't exist <laughs> 10 years ago. It was hard to find. And so it can be interesting now, especially if you exist among different identities. Like if you're just like a cis black man, then there may be one thing, but like, what if you're a woman? What if you're a member of the LGBT community? What if you identify on a different part of the gender spectrum? Like the level of, of support that you would get as a black designer can even vary within all of those spaces. And so it, it's still evolving. Like you said, I think it's a big question with a, a not so simple answer. So I, I feel you there. Yeah. It, that's kind of like where I'm at with, with all of this is like, in certain spaces, I could say yes, that I do feel supported. In other spaces, it's like you're on the fence and you're not really completely sure. Mm-hmm. You still have to only give like one element of you. I guess that's where code switching comes in. But even then, it's like code switching is this element of losing a sense of your identity. And that's a whole that's a whole nother thing that I'm trying to navigate through. So, yeah. What are you obsessed with right now? In terms of like, you you can answer. Life? Yeah, I was gonna say you can answer that any any way you like, personal, professional, whatever. I would say, what am I obsessed with right now? I think right now, what I'm 
this may be like a weird answer, but I'm honestly obsessed with the friendships that I've gotten to have over this past year. It's very overwhelming. I've never had like friend group of like black designers or even designers that have like really been so overwhelmingly loving to me my not only my career but just me as a person and really like being that support system that I needed and I think for so long I mean even that people are like oh well you go to HBCU like of course you have support and I'm like yes but like even within that HBCU there are groups there are groups and so sometimes you don't always fit into those groups or even within those groups that you may be a part of you still don't completely feel a sense of belonging and and so to be able to go in a space be around people that care about me and love me for just who I am and whether I change or evolve or whatever phase of my life you know that I'm I'm growing into that they're there to support me and guide me through those different shifts those different transitions and I know, it, it, like I said, a weird answer in terms of being obsessed, but like, I think just I like I have my own podcast with with Heather Lee, who's the like founder of, of Black Ignite, and just like how our lives cross within a year. I would have never imagined for our friendship to be where it is from going from like professional relationship to this very personal friendship that I value very deeply and to be able to like work on this podcast with her and hear her story and how much like our stories literally are parallel to each other. And so being able to have people like her and other people like, like Mitzi, like my design to divest community is like as well. And, and having them in my corner is something like I'm, truly become obsessed with and like want to continue to be around and want to just have that energy around me that healthy energy um because sometimes your people is it's being around your own people still is it isn't healthy so like having those people and those relationships has been really great for me within this past year yeah aside from like those those friendships have you had any any mentors or anyone that have really kind of helped you out either over this past year or just like along the way in your, your journey as a designer? Yeah, I've had a lot of different people that I'm very, some that I'm like very, very fortunate and very grateful to have in my life. And they're all for like different reasons. I, and at first, like at the start of my career or even school experience, I thought that I could really only have like one set mentor and that's what it is. But as I'm evolving, like I realize I need different mentors for different things, different spaces in my life. And so, you know, I've had mentors that have taught me about just how to run my program, guiding me, answering those questions as we're like moving into becoming a nonprofit, understanding like elements of like brand strategy for our program. Then I have I have mentors that who I now can call friends as well, who have helped me like guide me as a person and just where I need to go in my life. And then of course I have like two of like my really 
close professors, one in particular that has become a very good mentor to me that actually was the one who got me into UX design that just, I go for not only personal advice, but of course, career advice as well. So I think like over this past year, I've definitely had some great champions and mentor mentors in my corner that are designated to different areas of my life to, to help me to flourish. Where do you see yourself in the next five years? Like what kind of work would you like to be doing? Getting my PhD. <laughs> okay. I mean, yes, that is a goal of mine. I've expressed, <laughs> I, I, I will not, a lot of people have told me like, oh, why don't you just go ahead and get your PhD now? I'm like, I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I do not want to go through school again at the moment. But I think eventually, right now, I currently see myself leading a community, wherever that may be in, whether that be in the corporate space. I definitely see myself leading those conversations surrounding equity within the design space and growing in that um, because that is a space that I want to continue to be in in various different areas, whether it's like I said, in the corporate space, leading my community, or even teaching, I think eventually, like, I want to get my PhD within this element of design and psychology and understanding people, and to be able to eventually, down the line, teach, teach to students, teach to the next, you know, that next generation, college students that are coming, coming in and I think by then I'll already have that experience of being in the corporate world myself and I can be able to like instill that wisdom and have those connections to people through my community to be able to give back to those students that I'm teaching. So that's eventually where I want to evolve myself into. And just to kind of, you know, wrap things up here, where can our audience find out more about you and your work and everything you're doing online? Yeah, they can, um, one, they can find me on Medium in terms of my writing. And by the way, an article will be coming out, not through my Medium, but through the Ally Tech blog on inclusion or inclusive design being more than a buzzword. So definitely look out for that. And then you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm very active on there. And it's, of course, just my name. And then you can find me Instagram. It's just my name, Saria.Cameron. And then, of course, our, our program, our program's Instagram, AEI Design underscore. So you can find me active on all of those. Definitely feel free to, to follow me and stay connected. And especially those who want to, you know, get plugged into my community, my program, and even companies wanting to, to work with us. And, and just people just wanting to connect. I'm definitely open to that. Sounds good. Well, uh, Zaria Cameron, I want to thank you so much for, you know, coming on the show, for taking time to come out on the show. Like I said, it's been a while since we've had a design student on the show, particularly one from an HBCU. But when I first heard about you at Where Are the Black Designers and heard you speak and everything, I was like, I got to get her on the show and just to have her talk about what she's doing. I mean, just the fact that you're accomplishing this much as a student, I think bodes so well for your future career 
And I'm really excited to see what you're able to accomplish once you've graduated and really got out there in the design world and are able to make an even bigger impact. So thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. No, thank you. It's been such an honor. And thank you for answering, asking such great questions. I love being able to share my story with you and the audience. Big, big thanks to Zaria Cameron. And of course, thanks to you for listening. You can find out more about Zaria and her work through the links in the show notes at revisionpath.com. And of course, thanks to our wonderful accessibility sponsor, Brevity and Wit. Brevity and Wit is a strategy and design firm committed to designing a more inclusive and equitable world. They accomplish this through graphic design, presentations, and workshops around IDEA, inclusion, diversity, equity, and accessibility. If you're curious to learn how to combine a passion for IDEA with design, check them out at brevityandwit.com. Brevity and Wit, creative excellence without the grind. Support for Revision Path also comes from Adobe Max. Adobe Max is the annual global creativity conference and it's going online this year, October 26th through the 28th. This is sure to be a creative experience like no other. Plus, it's all free. Yep, 100% free. With over 25 hours of keynotes, luminary speakers, breakout sessions, workshops, musical performances, and even a few celebrity appearances, it's going to be one-stop shopping for your inspiration, goals, and creative tune-ups. Did I mention that it was free? Explore over 300 sessions across 11 tracks, hear from amazing speakers, and learn new creative skills all totally free and online this October. To register, head to max.adobe.com. Revision Path is brought to you by Lunch, a multidisciplinary creative studio in Atlanta, Georgia. This podcast is created, hosted, and produced by me, Maurice Cherry, with engineering and editing by RJ Basilio. Our intro voiceover is by Music Man Dre, with intro and outro music by Yellow Speaker. So what did you think of the interview? Better yet, what do you think about Revision Path as a whole? Please don't be a stranger. Reach out to us on Twitter, on Instagram. Just search for Revision Path, all one word. Or you can leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Let everyone know about the show because it really helps us grow and reach more people all around the world. As always, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.